chapter number one, Luke chapter number one. We're going to continue a series I started last week called The Light of the World, The Light of the World. And so I want to share with you a little bit, we'll review in just a minute, but I want to start in Luke chapter one, of course, because in this particular chapter, there are two announcements, two angelic visits, two angelic announcements that in some way seem very similar and the response from the individuals who receive them seem very similar, but they're actually vastly different. Luke chapter 1, of course, starts with the angelic visit uh, from an angel to Zechariah. The angel would visit Zechariah and announce to Zechariah that him and his wife were about to have a son. The son was to be John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of Jesus, of course. And, of course, it says this in Luke chapter number 1. If you're there, and in Luke chapter 1, it says this, Hey, good news, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Of course, in this visit, he's afraid. And the angel says to him, Do not be afraid. In fact, the good news is that your prayer has been heard. And Zechariah begins to uh, tremble, of course, be afraid. The angel says, Don't be afraid. Your prayer is heard. You're going to have a son. And uh, he's going to be the, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, right? And Zacharias' response is very interesting because his response to this angelic visit is, well, how is this going to happen? How can this be because I'm old and my wife is old, we're advanced in years, we're already past the years of childbirth, now watch this. This is his response. How can this be? How is this going to happen? How am I going to know that this has happened? One translation says, the Amplified Translation says, how can I be certain? How can I be certain of this? How do I know that I know that I, that I know? In other words, I, I don't want to have any faith. I, I just want to, I want to be certain of this exactly and so I need all the details worked out. And the angel was actually so upset at this particular response that he said to Zechariah, well, since you don't believe, you're going to be mute. So Zechariah comes out of the temple. He can't even speak. When John the Baptist is born, he actually has to write down the name. He shall be called John because he actually is unable to communicate uh, verbally at that point. That's one angelic visit. Now, the angelic visit to Mary seems like it's very similar. The angel comes to Mary later in this particular chapter, and the angel says to Mary around verse 34, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And her response is kind of similar. How can this be? I've never known a man. Two miraculous births, two angelic visits, and two responses that have a question. But there's something different about Mary's response than there is about Zachariah's response. Mary's response is, how can this be? But because there was no repercussions, because the angel didn't have her be mute until Jesus was born, there must have been something different that he sensed in in Mary's response. And the difference is, is that, look, I don't need all the details worked out. Just, just know this. I've never known a man. So I just have that question. How is this going to happen? I believe it, but I'd just like to know, how is this going to happen? Because I've never known a man. And the angel would go on to say to Mary, hey, the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. 
This thing is going to be done by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Mary's response. Be it unto me according to thy word. There was something about Mary that said, okay, this has never happened before in the history of mankind. But I accept it. I accept it. I accept it. Last week, I talked about Jesus being the light of the world and specific prophecies concerning his birth. And of course, there are prophecies in Isaiah. There are prophecies in Hosea and Micah, and we looked at some of those last week. But there's one particular verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2, that I thought was very interesting because it says this, that the people who are living in darkness have seen a great light. And it says this, tell them those who are living in the land of the shadow, land of the shadow of death, huh? Light has shined. And, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, tell the church, tell those who are living in the shadows, it is time to step out of the shadows, out of the shadows. We have just come through and to some degree are still going through what I consider the darkest time that I've ever seen in, in our world, not just in our state, not just in our nation, but this thing has affected the whole world. Never before has anything affected the world like what we are going through with COVID. It's affected the whole world. And some people, it's like darkness has overshadowed them. They've been living in darkness. Some people are still stuck. Depression is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. All sorts of problems in the home and family, different places. It's happening. Why? Because it's like people have just been, been enveloped by darkness. They're living in the shadows. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting to tell people it is time to come out of the shadows. That light is shining. It's kind of like in Isaiah chapter 60, it says this in verse 1, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You have to know this. Listen, I know that was a specific prophecy for a specific moment, but I believe it is applicable to us today to say now is our time to believe that we can step out of the shadows, out of the darkness, and into the light. My question is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Come on now. Sometimes we wait for something big to happen. Well, if I just get to that one next thing, that next level, huh? We, we need something big to happen to shake us, to move us. We're waiting for some event. We're waiting for the turning of a page. We're waiting for a new calendar year. That's why I said last week, I said, listen, it's Advent. It's Advent. This is the Advent season. The Christmas season is the Advent season. Now, for us who work by the regular calendar, January through December, this is the end of the year. The end of the year. We're, we're winding down. It's the end of the year. Advent is actually four Sundays before Christmas. So if you take Christmas and you count back four Sundays, you have Advent Sunday. So for us, it was November 28th. But do you know that's not the end of the year? On the Christian calendar, that's actually the beginning of the year. The Christian calendar starts Advent Sunday. That is the start of the Christian calendar. 
So the first Sunday, the first day in the Christian calendar has already happened. It's already started. So that means this. You can go ahead and start to make some changes. Because there's nothing preachers like better than January. Everybody comes back to church. Come on now. People start giving. Listen, there's nothing fitness centers like better than January. You sign up for something that you will never use another day in your life. Come on now. You sign up. You buy stuff. Equipment gets sold. I mean, everybody wants to make changes in January. Oh, it's a new calendar year. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to wait for anything to begin to make changes. Amen? Nothing. You don't have to wait for one thing. You can start right here, right now. Amen? Listen, why sit in darkness? I said last week, I was with a guy, a buddy of mine, and he, had, he was fixing a car. I was watching, of course. And so he's fixing this car, and he's trying to work with some tools, and, and, and one of the screws dropped. And he, he dropped somewhere down in the engine, and he knew exactly where it dropped, but he couldn't see it. It was pitch black, and he just looked, and he just stared. And I said, what are you doing? He said, just give me a minute. My eyes will adjust. And he did. And he just stared, and he stared, and his eyes adjusted to that darkness, and suddenly he reached down, and he picked up that thing that he lost. And so many people, that's what they're living like. They're living in darkness, adjusted, adjusting their life to the darkness, and they've learned how to move around in darkness. They've learned how to be married in darkness. They've learned how to parent in darkness. They've learned how to work in darkness. They've learned everything in the darkness, and God said, you weren't, you weren't created to live in darkness. You were created to live in light, and it's time to come out into the light. Amen? Arise and shine, for your light has come now. Now. Stop waiting for some big event. Stop waiting for lightning to hit. Just wait. And, and, and just, I mean, just do it now. Stop waiting. Amen? We have to believe. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. Amen? It's already started. It's a new year. So, so we have to be willing to be like Mary. Mary said this, hey, be it unto me according to your word. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let it happen to me now, now, amen? I want to talk to you about just some things that you can do over the next two weeks, this week and next week, to step out of the shadows. And the first one is this, you have to embrace change. You have to embrace change. You have to embrace it. In fact, I didn't even like the word embrace. I know I put it down there, but I thought to myself, you know what might be a better word is facilitate change, right? Because some people are like, well, if it, if it has to happen, I guess I'll change. Huh? And it's like, if I'm forced to change, then I'll change. Because, because people, listen, people love to talk about change. <laughs> people like to read about change. People like to watch other people change. The only thing they don't like to do is change. Huh? Unless they're forced to. But how about this? How about you facilitate change? How about you embrace it? How about you welcome it? Huh? Because listen, you have to just go, okay, listen, whatever God has for me, I'm ready to to accept it right here, right now. I'm ready to embrace whatever change is coming my way. And know this, change does not mean the opposite. 
This is why people resist change, because they think change means the opposite of what I have now. But it doesn't mean the opposite. It just might mean an adjustment. Huh? And it could be just a little bit at a time. There's some TV shows that I like that my family will never watch with me. Never watch. Dr. Pimple Popper. They will never watch that with me. I can't stop watching. It's like a train wreck. I go, oh my gosh. And so I will sit there and I'll call my kids and I'll say, Cynthia, come on. Cynthia, my wife, and I'll say, come on, watch this. And they're like, no. I'm like, you got to see this. And I like close my eyes and just try to barely look. I'm like, oh man. Another one is Hoarders. I love that show. It's a train wreck. And I can't stop watching it, right? And you know, they got this mountain, this pile. And how do you get through it? You get through it just a little bit at a time, man. You just start to make some major changes. But it gets so overwhelming sometimes that you look at it and you go, no, no. I mean, how do people live like that? They just, they're just overwhelmed. But if you just make little adjustments, little changes, Right? You never know where you're going to end up. Just little adjustments. Do you know that in aviation, there is this rule called the 1 in 60 rule? 1 in 60 rule. It means this. For every one degree you change course, at the end of 60 miles, you end up a mile apart. A mile off course. A mile away from your current destination. If you just make a one-degree change. Now watch this. After a foot, one degree doesn't do anything. No, it doesn't do anything. After a foot, it's only point one, uh, 0.2 inches. You've changed. After 100 yards, huh? if you change course by one degree, after 100 yards, you've only moved five feet. It doesn't look like much. Five feet doesn't look like much. Huh? But if you go a mile, right, you go a mile, you've now moved 100 feet. And that one degree change is starting to get noticed. Come on now, amen? See, you go work out one day. Don't go in the mirror. Come on now. And wonder where your six-pack abs are. They're not there, okay? But if you're consistent at it, Come on now. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be the next day. But if you keep making that one degree adjustment, you know, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, your life could be completely different. Totally, totally different just from a minor adjustment. Do you know that if you left Miami and you went to fly all the way around the world and land back in Miami... If you set the course like that, but you change it just one degree, you won't end up in Miami. You'll end up in Valdosta, Georgia. Just from one degree change, you've moved 500 miles. Come on now. There's power in a minor change, right? Because some of the things I'm talking to you about today, you might go, well, pastor, uh, you know, there's some things about my life I really like. I don't want to change everything. I mean, I got a lot of good things going, and so I'm not really going to make any changes. How about some minor changes? How about some minor adjustments? How about you just change a couple little things? In fact, I want to give you three things to make adjustments about. And the first one is this. You have to adjust your schedule. Your schedule. 
right? Because your schedule runs your life. Whether you're organized schedule or unorganized schedule, time is neutral. It either adds to you or takes away from you, right? So you have to adjust your schedule. So you say, well, what do I do then? I, I would suggest you start here. You start by adjusting your time and getting up early and reading your Bible and praying. Can I just suggest you start with that? If you made a 30-minute change, a 30-minute change by waking up early, if you're not already doing this, being consistent, opening up the Word of God before you went into social media, ooh, come on now. Before you check Facebook, oh, praise the Lord. Before you went on the news station to find out nothing has really changed that much since the last time you checked it four hours ago. If you just open up the word of God and say, God, I want you to speak to my heart. Huh? I'm going to commit this time. I'm going to make this adjustment in my life. I'm going to commit this time to you every day. Huh? Now, you may not transform overnight. You still may be honorary the next day. You still may be mean to your wife and yell at your kids the next day. You still may be impatient in traffic. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? Traffic. Have you seen traffic lately? Anybody been in traffic lately? Huh? But do you know that over time, your heart will begin to soften? Over time, you'll see patience be a fruit of the Spirit in your life. Over time, just that minor adjustment of you saying, I will wake up every day. I will spend time in God's Word. I will spend time praying. I will let Him transform my heart and watch what He does with your life. Watch what He does. So the first thing you need to do is adjust your schedule. Huh? Make God's house a priority. Volunteer. Serve. Do something. Adjust your schedule to where you are going to line up with the priorities of God's word. Amen? That means less time watching TV. Boy, I got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Less time binging. Less time watching TV. More time in God's word. Amen? The second thing you need to adjust is your relationships. Adjust your relationships. Now, I know you've been holding on to that crew, to that posse, to them girls. I know you've been holding on to them as long as you can. You have been pumping life into that relationship. But, but Bishop T.D. Jake said this. I thought it was great because he said this. If people walk away from you, let them walk. Stop pumping life into relationships that are not bringing life. Guess what? They're not your crew. That's not your posse. It's not your girlfriends. You know what it is? It's an anchor that has been dragging you down long enough, and it is time to cut the cord of that anchor so that you can do what God's called you to do, go where he's called you to go, and be what he's called you to be. Amen? You have to sometimes sever some relationships. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says this. It says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Amen? So some things you got to let go. I know you've known them since the 70s. Come on now. I know they were in your wedding. Huh? But that doesn't mean they're lifelong friends. Amen? Sometimes you got to go, okay, it's nice knowing you. I'll like your, your, your event on Facebook, but that's about it. doesn't mean that we have to be bosom buddies the rest of our life. Some people are just called to your life for a season. Amen. 
And guess what? If the horse is dead, dismount. Stop beating the dead horse. Amen? And embrace some new relationships because you might be one mentor away, one friend away, one person away from a brand new life. Amen? So you have to adjust some relationships. doesn't mean you get rid of all of them, but you may need to get rid of a couple of them. Hallelujah. You may need to add some people into your life. Hallelujah. And the third thing you need to adjust is this. You need to adjust your expectations. Now, normally when we say that you need to adjust your expectations, we, we kind of approach that from a negative standpoint. We kind of, in other words, the inference is you need to lower your expectations, right? Uh, my son, my 23-year-old, he's phenomenal because every time he watches a movie, whatever movie he watched last is the greatest movie ever made. He's like, Dad, you got to see this movie. It's the greatest movie I've ever seen. I'm like, you said that about the movie last month that you went and saw. So when he tells me about a movie, immediately my expectations go straight down. I walk into that thing like this is going to be an absolute dud, rotten tomato, absolutely the worst. This is the worst. Because I think at least then I have some place to go. But listen, guess what? When it comes to God... You could never actually have too high of an expectation from God because God is always able to outdo himself. God is always able to exceed your expectation. My life verse is this, Ephesians 20, God, you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I would ask. Watch this. Or think. Listen, that's the mind blower. Listen, God is always able to outdo himself and outdo even what you could think of. Hallelujah. Listen, this is God. He always makes sure that you know that tomorrow looks better than yesterday, that next year looks better than last year, that he's always able to outdo the miracle that he already did. Listen, if you're still breathing, the best is yet to come. God's not dead with you. There may be a few aches and pains in your joints and your back, but know this, the best for you is still yet to come. Raise your expectation with God. Somebody say amen. You got to raise it and start right now. Well, if I make this adjustment, maybe something will happen. Come on, man. If you make that adjustment, you have to believe something big's going to happen. God's going to do great things. We have a friend, my wife and I, many of you know, Pastor Dale Gentry. He's been with us. He's preached for me many times, and he's been a prophet, and he's been a pastor. He's been an evangelist, and now he's in his late 70s, and he really doesn't travel anymore, so he hasn't been with us in at least probably six, seven years, but, but he was actually a radio DJ getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning to do a radio show at four in the morning. He's like, I don't know who listens at four in the morning to radio, but that's what they want. So that's what he was doing. And God spoke to him. He wasn't in ministry, wasn't a pastor, wasn't a preacher, just a radio DJ. And God spoke to him and said, if you give me the first hour of your day, I'll change your life. And he said back to God, God, Do you know what time I get up in the morning? (laughs) 
If you're telling me to give you the first hour, I already get up at three. Now I got to get up at two. And God said back to him, if you give me the first hour of your day, if you give me the first hour of your day, if you make that adjustment, huh? That adjustment, I'll change your life. And he got up. And he started praying and he started believing. And the next thing you know, God called them into full-time ministry. And the next thing you know, he started to travel. And he's been in nation after nation around the world. He's led major crusades. He's, he's met incredible people. He actually led prayer at the White House. How did all of this happen? Now he has a national radio program. God brought him back to radio, national radio program leading prayer. How did this happen? He made an adjustment to his schedule. He made an adjustment to relationships and he made an adjustment to his expectations. And God superseded everything he could have imagined. That's the kind of God we have. Listen, embrace change. Facilitate change. Ask yourself this, what can I do starting today? I want to encourage you to do this. Would you bow your heads and pray?